0: Well, hey, good morning, church. So glad to see you. My name is Brad. I am the pastoral intern. I have the joy and the privilege to come before you and just say, hello. We are so glad that you are here. I I would love if you could, for me, uh, check the screens behind me and check in for us. It it does us a big favor. You could do that by... Uh, Texting check to the phone number on the screen or just filling out one of those blue little connect cards that sit in the chair right in front of you It helps us keep connected. It helps us talk to you We won't blow up your phone with texts or emails, but we just want to we want to stay connected as a church family We want to celebrate with you. We want to know how to pray for you So if you could do that, that would be so helpful and we would appreciate it so much um Honestly, I don't have a lot to say up here. We have very short announcements, so let me tag VBS for just a little bit. VBS was awesome. Wow, it was just a crazy week. It was was such a joy. Um... uh, Kids made dedications to follow Christ for the rest of their lives, and it was just, oh, it was so cool. And so we really want to celebrate that this week. I don't want to talk too much about it. Pastor Dan probably has some stuff to say about it, but VBS was great. Our only announcement today is that the Green Family Farewell is tonight at 5 o'clock. Please... Come show your support for that. Let the Green family know just how much you've meant to them over the past few years, how much we care for them and, and support them as they follow God's direction in their lives. All right, that's it for our announcements. If you could, please turn your attention to the screens as we get to celebrate a baptism from last service.
1: Come stand with me. This is John Falango, and John has been a part of our church for quite a while, and uh, I had an opportunity to spend some time with John this week and just hear a little bit about his, his story, about what God is doing in his life, what God has done in his life. He shared with me that a number of years ago, he gave his life to Jesus, but he has never taken that step of baptism. And so today, we are kind of taking that step as a just another renewed opportunity of being able to follow Jesus and do what Jesus has called us to do. So John, I'm proud of you. I'm so excited to be a part of this moment in your life. John, have you given your life to Jesus? I have. Amen. John, it's by your profession of faith in Christ that I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk
2: in a brand new way of living awesome, <laughs> Good morning, church. It's not often, but we get to celebrate multiple on a Sunday. Isn't it great to be a part of a church that God is using to actively change eternities? With Vacation Bible School highlights, with all the things that you see going on this week, I have the privilege of bringing down Adam and Eliana as we get to see an image of a dad baptizing his daughter. And what better image of passing the baton of faith, of of sharing this down, and so for Adam, this is this is uh, child number three to be baptized, and so what a legacy we see in Eliana, what a legacy we see through this family. And as we prayed up here, it just dawned on me: is they're passing this their faith down to their children. We have no idea. I mean, we see the direct result of that, but to know that they've got multiple children that are going to go out and continue to share the gospel, but the, the legacy that this family alone will share in god's kingdom is just overwhelming when you look at their lifetime so eliana i have one question for you do you know that jesus is your personal lord and savior yes eliana based on your public profession of faith your dad gets to baptize you our sister in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit buried with christ in baptism raised to walk in new life Church, what a privilege. What a privilege it is to see families passing down their faith. If you would, pray with me. Dear God, I just want to thank you for this morning. I want to thank you for the opportunity that we see. We get to see you at work, God. We get to see this side of heaven, that you you are intricately and intimately involved in our church and in our lives. And God, I pray this morning that Eliana's step, that the baptism in the 830 service, God, that those might give someone who sees them the boldness to take the next step in their life, to realize that no matter what stage of life you're in, God, that we can choose to pursue you. And God, I pray this morning that you would move in this place. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
3: Well, amen. The Bible says in Psalm 115, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name we give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. We want to proclaim God's glory in this place today as we celebrate baptism for the great things that he has done. And There's an old hymn that says, to God be the glory, great things he has done. Would you stand with us as we proclaim that today? Let's sing together. To God be the glory, great things he hath done. So loved he the world that He gave us, His Son, who yielded His life and atonement for sin, and opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice praise the lord praise the lord let the people rejoice rejoice. oh come to the father through jesus the son and give him the glory great things he has done yes Sing it out, church. Blessing God, we thank you for your character. Thank you for loving us. We thank you for who you are. God, thank you for what you've done. Lord, we give you glory today for the great things that you have done on our behalf. Lord, things that we did not deserve. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being an awesome God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you please be seated?
1: Good morning. So good to see you this morning. We are so excited about what God has done uh, this morning uh, over the course of this week. Vacation Bible School has been absolutely fabulous. We've had so much fun. I see families here this morning that maybe this is your first time. I'm so excited about you being here, and this is just a, it's a great day, and God is doing so many great things in our church and in our community, and I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for being here. Just know that there's there's always lots of different things, Every it, like even in the mornings, we have Sunday school and children church and we have this church and man isn't it great to see this group of students down here on this on these few rows that's fabulous I love that it is just so awesome to see what God's doing. Today is a special day across our campus. This is kind of our promotion Sunday where like in our children's, in our children's ministry, everybody kind of moves up to the next grade and we have some kids that are gonna be moving from uh, our children's ministry over to our student ministry. We'll be welcoming them at 11 o'clock. And then after the service, after the 11 o'clock service, we're gonna have a, a meal over there for really all of our students and parents. If you're uh, here, we'd love for you to come to that. We're gonna be talking about uh, our student pastor search committee is going to be talking to them about like what, like the profile of the next person that we're looking for coming into that position. Really important uh, conversation, and so we would love for you to be a part of that, and uh, just lots of good things going on. And in the midst of that, we uh, got a chance to have Vacation Bible School this week, and so we want to share just a little taste of what Vacation Bible School was all about, so check this out. Good stuff, and I'll tell you, I'm so glad that video started as loud as it was because that's how loud it was this week. And uh, we had so much fun, we raised over $2,300 for missions. You saw all those spoons laid out, yeah, that's awesome. We saw all those spoons laid out. All those spoons are going to Haiti, where kids uh, literally probably the only meal that they have is every day when they eat at school, and those spoons are. All they have, that's their only utensil. And so we're sending all of those uh, to Haiti. Uh, we had a number of kids make decisions for Christ and we're following up with them. We had families that were engaged uh, in, in the church. And, and like I say, we have families that are coming even today and it's just so awesome to see God moving in such a, such a powerful way. So thank you to all of you who are part of Vacation Bible School, whether you were a participant or a teacher or a volunteer or just a planner or a prayer, thank you. It was a great week and God did some really awesome things uh, this campus, uh, across this campus this week. It was really, really great. Hey, uh, just a couple of other things that I want to be sure that you're aware of. First of all, you already heard uh, that we are saying goodbye to the Green family tonight, and that's a sad thing. We'd love for you to come tonight at five o'clock as we just send them off with our best wishes as they uh, continue to follow God's call in their life. In the midst of that, we also know that when our children's pastor leaves, it leaves a gap, and so I'm really grateful to be able to announce to you that Nicole Harper, uh, who has been a very involved member of our, uh, our uh, children's ministry volunteer staff. She's stepping up in this interim time to, uh, to direct our children's ministry uh, in this interim time. And Nicole, I see you right there. We're so excited. And uh, it's going to be just really great. So... Hey, I know that a number of you—I know that a number of you are involved in the children's ministry. When you see Nicole, just let her know that you're praying for her and praying for this uh, time of transition. And then also, uh, last week we talked—we kind of—I kind of gave you a survey, and you filled some things out, and we got all of that. I hope you understand that Vacation Bible School was not the best time to try to respond to all of that. So we kind of gathered that information, but you will be hearing. From us well today we 're going to that 's all of the introduction so uh, today we 're going to be looking at the book of galatians chapter if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to Galatians chapter 4. If you don't have your Bible, there's one in the rack right in front of you. We're going to be looking at a passage that is on page 974 of that Bible. And so you're welcome to turn with me there. Um, let me just ask you if you remember. Do you remember back when you were in grade school and they would assign a paper for you to write? Do you remember when you were kind of in like 5th or 6th or 7th grade and, and they would say, Hey, when you need to write a paper and, and it needs to be 500 words. Do you remember that? And it was like, oh, 500 words. How am I going to write 500 words? And over time, you got to where you could write 500 words. And then you got to a point where they said, okay, uh, 750 words. You were like, oh, I just got used to writing 500. 750, 1,000 words, 2,000 words. Can you imagine writing 2,500 words on a topic? Can I just tell you as a personal uh, testimony, as a pastor and a preacher, I have never struggled with the word count on a paper. I have lots of words. I can say lots of things. Matter of fact, my problem was always keeping it under the amount of words that they asked for. But I know that when you think about, I mean, can you think about if I just said, hey, this week, I, wanna, I want you to write a 2,500-word paper. By the way, I did the math. That's about a 10 page double-spaced paper. That's a lot of writing. That's a lot of words. And Paul in the book of Galatians has spent 2,500 words getting his point across. And he's going to summarize it in what we're going to read today and kind of finalize it so that next week we can move on to something else. So I just want you to hear what Paul has to say. It's important that we hear this because we need to understand the argument that he's making so we can live it out in our lives and so it'll make a difference. So I hope you'll just stay with me for a minute. This is a little bit of a confusing passage. I'll do my best to explain it. Just stick in with me. This is what it says. It says, tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, We would describe that as the new Jerusalem, the Jerusalem that's to come down one day. uh, But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. He goes on, he says, for it is written, this is a quote from Isaiah, for it is written, rejoice, O barren one who does not bear, break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor, for the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. I'll explain that in a minute. Now you, brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as at that time, he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, so also it is now. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. So you all understand that, right? Simple. Simple. Yeah, okay, so let's just move on. Paul here is taking what he's been using about 2,500 words and he's summarizing it this way. He's summarizing by, summarizing it by using a story from the Old Testament. It's the story of Abraham and his wife, Sarah. God came down to Abraham and said, listen, if you'll do what I say, then I'm going to bless the entire world through you, and you will have vast amounts of children, and you will have this family that is generations upon generations, that is as many as the stars in the sky. By the way, he came down and told Abraham that when he was 85 years old. Right. That's what I said. 85 years old, this, this promise was given to Abraham. And in that moment, Abraham was like, I don't think that's how this works. And so they took the promise and it went for a few years and it did not happen. And so over time, they thought, well, we need to take matters into our own hands. This always works well. Sarah said, I've got this servant lady Hagar, who's kind of my partner, I tell you what, how about you have a child with her? Y'all can see the end of this story. It's going to go well, right? Well, guess what? Hagar becomes with child. She is expectant now. And all of a sudden, Sarah and Hagar stop getting along. Shocker, right? And so this child is born from Hagar named Ishmael, but it doesn't seem right. Things, this is not what God had planned. Uh, years later, when Abraham and Sarah are like 99 and 100 years old, y- yes, I said that correctly, 99 and 100 years old, Sarah is all of a sudden with child. How did this happen? I mean, biologically, what in the world is going on here? Well, it's not about biology, it's about God. God made a promise and he kept the promise. And so now what we have is we have a child that God promised and we have one where the family took things into their own hands and they trusted themselves more than they trusted God. And then we have this other one over here that the only way the child could have been born is by God and by trusting God. And Paul is using that story to saying, "To say, do you wanna live like Abraham and Hagar? Or do you want to live like Abraham and Sarah? Do you want to live so that it's all up to you? Or do you want to live so that it's all up to God? Do you want to live by your own effort? Or do you want to live by God's effort? Do you want to try to live up to God? Or do you want to trust that God has come down to us? Paul actually makes a transition here and he goes to the book of Isaiah and he talks about this desolate one that will be with child, and that's a prophecy. It's a prophecy from Isaiah that was actually fulfilled as the nation of Israel was kept into was taken into captivity, and yet even through their captivity they were made new and made um to flourish and to grow and to become many. And so this prophecy was fulfilled, but it in in many ways Prophecy is both a fulfillment historically and a fulfillment in the future. And in this moment, Paul is using the prophecy of Isaiah to say there is going to be a desolate one, or maybe just not a desolate one, but maybe just one that's not with child yet. As a matter of fact, Isaiah is known not only for making historical prophecies, but he's also known for making messianic prophecies. That pointed to Jesus. There's actually a scripture in Isaiah chapter 7 where Isaiah writes that that the, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. That was quoted in the book of Matthew regarding who? Jesus. So, in many ways, what Paul is trying to say here is he is trying to say, Do you want to trust in yourself? Or do you want to trust in Jesus? you want to trust in your own abilities to maybe live a life that is righteous before God so that you can follow the law and do the things all on your own? Or do you want to live in such a way that Jesus is the one you trust? And you trust in what he's already done for you. And you can live a life of freedom or you can live a life of slavery. You can live a life of blessing and grace Or you can live a life of effort and trial and honestly, failure. Paul is summarizing this in in this way and and he brings us down to to this point. I I just want us to move on because I think there's some, some great things for us to learn here. What he is saying here is that we are called to live a life of obedience out of the freedom that comes from Jesus. We live obedient lives, not because we're trying harder, but because of what Jesus has done for us. We actually get to follow the rules, not because we're trying to to live up to God by our own effort. We follow the rules because Jesus has already given to us freedom and salvation and forgiveness and grace. And because of the gift, we want to live a life of obedience, I, I, I'm going to do something that's a little different today. And if this is your first time, this is not typical, but I, I, I'm going to take us into a little bit of a classroom today. And if you have a, a scratch sheet of paper, uh, you, you, you might not be able to write what I'm about to share with you down in, in your, you know, kind of the margin of your Bible. You might want to write it somewhere else. This is uh, We're going we're gonna to go to class today. So we're going to draw a little square up there on the, on the, on the uh, screen, and we're going to share with you some, some interesting Quadrant thing. So there's, there's a few categories. What Paul is saying is that there's a few categories of people, and they match up in certain ways. The first category of people are the people that get their salvation from obedience, they, they're saved by what they do. They live right, and so they're acceptable to God. Their salvation is from their obedience. And it's all about me and what I can do and me being right and righteous and living perfect and making all the right decisions. It's all about me. That's salvation from obedience. Now, if one side is salvation from obedience, then that second column would be salvation by Jesus. It's only, it's not what I've done, it's not how I'm living, it's how Jesus lived. It's not what, it's not my effort, it's that Jesus gave his life for me, and I'm i am trusting Jesus, not myself. And we get a choice in that. Do we want to trust ourselves, or do we want to trust Jesus? And what he was saying was that a lot of people in the church at Galatia had chosen that left-hand column. I, I, I need to I need to obey, and, and, and I'm going to be saved by doing the right thing. Now, interestingly, salvation from obedience, salvation from Jesus. On the left side, there's two rows, and the first row that we're going to look at there are, are those people that are disobedient. So these are the this is the group of people that that are like, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to live life the way it, I'm, I'm just rules. What rules? I'm not going to live my life the right way. I'm going to do my own thing. Well, if, if one row is disobedient, then the second row would be obedient. Good job. That's right. So, uh, so we have this, we have this, this kind of grid now. Now we're going to start filling it in. That's, you know, it's, it makes sense. Okay. So p- some people trust themselves and trust their obedience and trust I'm going to live life the way I'm supposed to live it. And then some people trust Jesus and some people are obedient. And some people are not. So let's, let's just look at that bottom left corner. People that trust their own selves for obedience and are obedient. Do you know what we would call those people? Those people are what we call legalists. Here are the rules that I'm following them. Here are, here's what you should do. And if you don't know how to do it, watch me because I'm doing it all the time. I am so good, I'm so perfect. I, I, I follow the rules, and I know the rules, and we have to follow the rules, which is why I'm following the rules. And if you're not following the rules, then you are a terrible person. Legalists are the type of people that always point out the things that we are doing wrong. Honestly, preachers are pretty good legalists. Legalists. We have a tendency sometimes and I, I you know it's something we have to fight against to not kind of stand up here and point our finger at everybody else and never point our finger at ourselves. We have to be aware that 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 sometimes we can fall over into that idea of I'm making the rules and if you don't follow the rules then you're then man this is real bad. Cuz cuz the only way that we can be saved it's through following the rules. Legalists. Aren't those people fun to be around? Isn't it great to be around legalists that are always pointing out what's wrong in your life? Don't you love that? I do not. Here's the second category of people. What about the people that get their salvation from Jesus, but, but, they're, but they never do the right thing? So, I'm saved by Jesus, and since I'm saved by Jesus, I feel like I need to give Jesus a lot to save me from. Right? I just want to see how far he can take me. Do you know what we would call those people? We would call those people immoral. By the way, that's not a positive description. We would just call those people immoral. Basically, I am saved, and so I don't have to do anything right. I can live life any way that I want to because, hey, (laughs) I am good. I got my get out of hell free card, right? I gave my life to Jesus, and so if you don't think that I, if you don't think I've tested him, watch what I do next. Just check this out. Those are the people that are, are saying, I don't want to, no rules because I've given my life to Jesus and I'm forgiven. I don't have to worry about anything. I'm good because Jesus is my savior. Now, before we move on, I would say we would probably question whether or not they've ever given their life to Jesus if they want to live like that, right? I mean, really? Is that really how things need to be? We'll get, thank you, appreciate it. I am. I tell you, these rhetorical questions are going so well today. All right, third category. Those that get their salvation from obedience say I've got to obey and I know that I have to, but I never do. So I, I know that I should do the right thing, but I never do the right thing. I know that I'm gonna be saved by doing the right thing, but I never do the right thing. What are those people? I would say those people are just Lost. And I'm not talking about like, some of you are, are real, real churched. I'm not talking about just like lost spiritually. I'm talking just lost. They're just like, I know I should do the right thing, but I never do. I know, I know that there's a way that I should live, but I just don't ever do it. And you're just looking at that person going, are you clueless? I mean, you, you have a value of it all depends on you. And yet you are, you are like a terrible person. So if it all depends on you then things are going to go really badly for you, right? That's a person who's really lost and struggling in their life and it's like their values don't match up with their actions. Have you ever known somebody like that? They have certain values but their actions and their their performance does not match up with their with what they say their values are and you say, "Okay, either something's wrong here. It's really inconsistent. They're lost. They it's like their head is spinning." What about that last category my salvation is from jesus i believe that and i choose to be obedient what would we label that i would label that a christian i would label that a christian that somebody that says hey i i I get that i get that it's it doesn't depend on me it all depends on jesus But I choose, because it depends on Jesus, I choose to actually live the right way. I choose to trust him. I choose to believe in him. I choose to follow him. I know I could do wrong and he would forgive me, but why would I? I know that I could do the wrong thing and make the wrong decision, but why would I make the wrong decision? Because he loves me so much that he gave his life for me so I can trust him, salvation from Jesus, And in trusting him, I can actually live a life that is pleasing to him. We would call that person a Christian. Now, can I show you something real quick? Because, by the way, this did not originate with me. I would love to say that I was this smart, but this is a really great illustration. Here's the final part of the illustration. Some of you are sitting there going, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm in that bottom right corner. I'm in the bottom. Hey, everybody, bottom right corner. Hello, look at me. I'm in the bottom right corner. Hey, you just became a legalist. I'm in the bottom right corner. I'm in the bottom right corner. I'm in the bottom right corner. Oops, I made a mistake. I'm in the bottom right corner, oops, I made the same mistake. I'm in the bottom right corner, oops, I made the same mistake. Oh, I made, oh, 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 oh oops, 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 oops you just became immoral. Because you quit even trying. It's no longer oops. It's like, <laughs> watch this. You just became immoral. Uh, I, I, I'm in that bottom right corner. I'm in that bottom right corner. Hey, everybody. I'm in the bottom right corner. Man, I really need to work harder. I really, you know, my life is going kind of poorly. I just need to go to church more. I just need to do things right. i Oh, I know God's mad at me. I know God's mad at me. I know God's mad at me. I know God's mad at me because of the things that I do. I know that God's mad at me because of the things that I do. I'm doing bad things, and I know that God's mad at me. And God, might, God probably hates me because I, I really, it's all about how I, I mean, really, my life is all about me. You just became lost. See, what I would tell you is, you may you may find yourself in that bottom right corner, but every single one of us have a tendency to fall over into one of those other areas from time to time. And we have to kind of fight against that. We have to not become legalist or immoral or lost. We have to fight against that. We have to say, okay, I believe that my salvation is from Jesus, and so because of that, I want to live a life that is pleasing to him. Let me put it a different way. Different way is we are called to live a life of obedience out of the freedom that comes from Jesus. Right? We are called to live a life of obedience out of the freedom that comes. We're free, so so I'm obedient. I'm free, so I'm obedient. We are called to live a life of obedience. Out of the freedom. Can I tell you something real quick that uh, that my mom did in my life that I thought was really brilliant? And I probably won't practice it myself, but anyway. When I was a senior in high school, and I'm saying this really carefully because my child is going into a senior year in high school, but when I was a senior in high school, my mom started to steadily and very systematically remove all of the rules and expectations that she had put on my life over the course of my teenage years. I no longer had a curfew. I no longer had a bedtime. I no longer had this or that. I mean, there were just, just all of these things. She just started to roll them back piece by piece by piece. And do you know what I found out? I found out that all of the rules that she had had for me, I didn't go out and break all of them. I realized, oh, that's actually a good way to live. And out of the freedom that I was given, I learned that there's a way to be obedient and to live a good life because the rules were not for my harm. They were for my good. But suddenly, it wasn't just following the rules that first column, now it was, I have freedom, but I want to follow the rules because it just makes sense. You know, that can be true of our lives. So I, I want to I, I, I finish this way. I want to ask you a really important question. When you see that grid, where do you fall? Where do you fall? You see, we we have that bottom right corner and it, it looks good, doesn't it? But is it true? Is it true of you? Is that where you are? Are you really experiencing the freedom that comes from Christ and living in obedience to his commands? Not out of drudgery or duty, But out of joy, out of freedom. Friend, I want you to know that any of those three, any of those three, that left side, that top row, I want you to know that Jesus is waiting with open arms. And he is willing for you to come to him to receive the freedom that only comes from salvation in Jesus to receive the joy of obedience to his way of life. He is welcoming you with open arms. There's no price to pay. There's only an opportunity to say, I wanna be yours, Jesus. So where do you fall? Where do you fall? If you fall anywhere other than in the arms of Jesus, if you're trying too hard, or if you're not trying hard enough. Jesus is welcoming you to come to him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your work in our lives. Thank you for the privilege of knowing you. And God, I just pray right now, across this room, there may be people that are saying, I I, I know right where I land, but I don't, I'm not proud of it. And I'm not pleased with it. So God, I just pray that right now they would sense your open arms, your arms of love, your arms of sacrifice, your arms of acceptance, your arms of joy, and God, that they would just sense that you are waiting, and God, they can come to you. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for paying the price for us on the cross. Thank you that we don't have anything that we can do that makes us saved other than come to you and to just receive you as our Savior. So thank you for paying the price that we couldn't pay. We love you. As you continue to pray, I just want to give you an opportunity to respond here in the room. If you're at home, watching from home, I just want to give you an opportunity to respond. If you've never given your life to Jesus, if you find yourself as that legalist, trusting in yourself and pointing out the wrong that everybody else does, If you find yourself in that lost category, saying, I'm trusting myself, I just don't do anything right. Or if you find yourself in that, hey, I I trust Jesus, but I am really immoral and my life doesn't show it at all. I just want you to know that Jesus is waiting with open arms. He is inviting you into his presence. If this morning you want to receive Christ as your savior, I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to lead you in a prayer of asking Jesus to come into your heart. So if you'd like to pray, if you'd like to have Jesus as your Savior today, with nobody looking around, this is just between you and God, would you just raise your hand? I want to give my life to Jesus today, right here, right now. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. Anybody else? This is your moment. I want to give my life to Jesus right here, right now. I'm tired of trusting in myself. I'm tired of living life my way. I want to turn my life over to Jesus. Anybody else? This is your moment. If you raised your hand, or maybe if you didn't, but you really want to give your life to Jesus, I just want to encourage you to pray this very simple prayer. I'm going to say a phrase, and you can just say it after me. It's not the words of this prayer that are any kind of magic. It's just simply the the expression of our heart. And I just want to encourage this. As a matter of fact, we just, I don't think anybody should ever play, pray alone. And so everybody in the room, we're just going to pray these words out loud. Would you just say these words with me? Dear Jesus, I come to you a sinner. I need you in my life. I've trusted in myself for far too long. Today I'm trusting in you. I give my life to you. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. And help me to live for you. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Church, there were people in this room that just gave their life to Jesus. Is that not awesome? So, so powerful. If you were one of those that maybe prayed that prayer for the very first time, maybe you raised your hand, maybe you didn't, we would love to talk with you at the end of our time together. Our pastors will be down here at the front. We'd love to talk with you about a next step that you can take in your walk with Christ. Right now, let's close our time together in worship. Let's stand and let's sing this closing song.
3: And I trust the sweetest way, but wholly trust in Jesus' name Christ alone corner stone we made strong in the slave.